0: Hello and welcome to November's Fellows Choice podcast, reviewing the highlights of the November issue of the International Journal of Gynecologic Cancer. I'm Navia Nair.
1: And I'm Sadie Jones. This month, we will discuss the SCORPION trial evaluating primary debulking versus neoadjuvant chemotherapy in advanced ovarian cancer treatment, the influence the COVID pandemic has had on gynecological cancer diagnoses in Austria, and how her too has the potential as a therapeutic target in the management of extramammary Paget's disease of the vulva, and more.
0: The lead article for the November 2020 issue is titled, Randomized Trial of Primary Debulking Surgery versus Neoadjuvant Chemotherapy for Advanced Epithelial Ovarian Cancer, also known as the SCORPION Trial, by Anna Fagatti et al., Two randomized phase three trials demonstrated non inferiority of neoadjuvant chemotherapy compared to primary debulking surgery. The scorpion trial was a randomized phase three study to investigate whether neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by interval debulking surgery is superior to primary debulking surgery in terms of perioperative complications and progression-free survival in advanced ovarian cancer patients with high tumor load. 171 patients were randomized. Rates of R0 were significantly higher in the neoadjuvant chemotherapy group, 77% versus 47.6% in the primary debulking surgery group. The extent of surgery was statistically significantly higher in the primary debulking group assessed by the surgical complexity score and upper abdominal procedures. Primary debulking surgery was associated with significantly longer operative time and hospital stay compared with the neoadjuvant chemotherapy group. Major post-operative complications were significantly higher in the primary debulking group, 25.9% versus 7.6% median progression-free survival was not significantly different between the groups, 15 months for primary debulking surgery and 14 months for neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Median overall survival was also not significantly different between the groups, 41 months for primary debulking and 43 months for neoadjuvant chemotherapy. The authors concluded that neoadjuvant chemotherapy and primary debulking surgery have the same efficacy when used at their maximal possibilities but are associated with different toxicities
1: the next article is an editorial commentary by dr christina fotopoulou with the title neoadjuvant chemotherapy for advanced ovarian cancer the tale of the scorpion for radical debulking surgery Dr. Fotopoulou congratulates authors of the SCORPION trial for successfully conducting a prospective randomized trial evaluating the use of neoadjuvant chemotherapy specifically for the challenging population of patients with high tumor load as assessed by a standardized laparoscopic predictive index. Dr. Fotopoulou comments that with 8.3% of primary debulk patients dying from surgical complications long operating room times of on average seven and a half hours, and 52% stoma formation, the Scorpion study demonstrated significant caveats in the upfront surgical approach in their specific setting that potentially contributed to the superiority of the interval debulking arm in terms of surgical morbidity. Dr. Fotopoulou goes on to comment that these surgical caveats might not apply to other centres of excellence. The study demonstrated once more, like every one of the other neoadjuvant trials, that even though complete tumour clearance rates of the interval debulking arm were significantly higher than the upfront arm, 77% versus 47%, this failed to translate into a logically expected equivalent survival benefit of the interval debulking arm.
0: Irina Chibulak conducted a study titled Decrease in Gynecologic Cancer Diagnoses during the COVID-19 Pandemic, an Austrian Perspective. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, fewer cancer diagnoses were recorded. This study aimed at validating the observation that there is a decline in referrals to gynecologic and breast oncology centers across Austria. All patients diagnosed with gynecologic or breast cancer in the period from January to May 2019 and January to May 2020 at 18 participating gynecologic departments were included. 852 presented with a newly diagnosed gynecologic cancer and 1,225 with a newly diagnosed breast cancer. The study results showed a strong decline in the newly diagnosed cancers since the lockdown with a 24% decline in March 2020 compared to March 2019, a 49% decline in April 2020 compared to April 2019, and a 49% decline in May 2020 compared to May 2019. In gynecologic tumors, there were no differences in tumor stage, while in patients with breast cancer, there was a decline in stage T1 as well as in stage T2 to T4 tumors. No differences were observed in gynecologic cancer treatment when comparing neoadjuvant chemotherapy to primary surgery before or after the lockdown. However, more patients with a newly diagnosed breast cancer were treated with neoadjuvant chemotherapy.
1: Michelle Bartaletti et al have published the largest series of HER2 positive advanced vulval paget's disease in the article entitled Human epidermal growth factor receptor 2 is a potential therapeutic target in extramammary paget's disease of the vulva. Invasive vulval-paget's disease with overexpression of the HER2 protein is potentially suitable for targeted therapy, especially in a metastatic setting where no effective treatments are available. In this article, authors reported on four patients with HER2-positive advanced vulval-paget's disease treated with weekly trastuzumab and paclitaxel, followed by three weekly trastuzumab maintenance, Median age and follow-up of patients was 62.5 years and 16 months respectively. Complete or partial responses were observed in all patients. Medium time to response was 3 months while median duration of response was 10 months. No unexpected treatment-related side effects were reported. The authors concluded that in the subgroup of hr 2 positive disease, weekly paclitaxel trastuzumab appears to be active and safe and may be considered a therapeutic option in these patients. The next
0: article is a prospective study conducted by Barrett Anderson and colleagues titled High-Risk HPV Testing Versus Liquid-Based Cytology in Cervical Cancer Screening Among Women Age 50 and Older. 4,043 patients were included and followed up for a median of 70 months. Diagnostic efficacy of liquid-based cytology and high-risk HPV testing with or without the opposite test as triage using cervical intraepithelial neoplasia grade two or three as reference were calculated. The authors reported an 8% HPV prevalence and the presence of ascus or worse in 3.7% of patients. Sensitivities for CIN-3 or greater were 47.5% for liquid-based cytology alone, 45% for liquid-based cytology with HPV triage, 90% for HPV testing alone, and 67.5% for HPV testing with liquid-based cytology triage. Corresponding specificities were 96.6% for liquid-based cytology alone, 98.5% for liquid-based cytology with HPV triage, 92.8% for HPV testing alone, and 97.7% for HPV testing with liquid-based cytology triage. Five cervical cancers were detected. Two had been overlooked at baseline by liquid-based cytology and two by HPV testing. HPV screening using DNA amplification is a promising alternative to liquid-based cytology in this population, but evaluation of alternative triage methods is warranted. The risk of overlooking cancers needs consideration when replacing liquid-based cytology with HPV testing as a method for primary screening.
1: The next article by Dalwadi et al. is titled "Noninvasive invasive stereotactic ablative boost in patients with locally advanced cervical cancer. Current literature is insufficient to guide care for cervical cancer patients ineligible for brachytherapy. Stereotactic ablative radiotherapy boost might be an option for these patients. 25 patients treated were retrospectively analysed. 36% of patients received the treatment due to refusal of brachytherapy, 36% due to comorbidities lim- limiting implantation, and 28% due to technical infeasibility. Typical fractionation was 24 to 30 gray in four to five fractions. The most common long-term toxicity was grade one to two vaginal dryness, discomfort, stenosis, and or dyspareunia. One patient had grade four fistula. Overall survival, cancer-specific survival, loco-regional control and distant control were 95.5%, 100%, 95.5% and 89.1% respectively at two years. Further study of stereotactic ablative radiotherapy boost for cervical cancer is needed to validate this outcome. London et al. published an article on cost-effectiveness
0: of robotic hysterectomy versus abdominal hysterectomy in early endometrial cancer in an ERAS setting. Cost analysis was based on data from an open randomized control trial in an ERAS setting at a Swedish tertiary referral university hospital. Age, duration of hospital stay, and sick leave did not differ between the robotic and abdominal groups time of surgery was significantly longer in the robotic group compared to the abdominal group the robotic group recovered significantly faster as measured by the eq5d health index and gained 0.018 qualies until six weeks after surgery total costs were 20 percent higher for the robotic procedure Robotic hysterectomy used in an ERAS setting in the treatment of early endometrial cancer improved health within six weeks after the operation at a high cost for the health gain compared with abdominal hysterectomy.
1: Brian Slomovitz et al. published a phase two study evaluating cetuximab in patients with progressive or recurrent endometrial cancer. Epidermal growth factor receptor is found in common subtypes of ovarian cancer and has been associated with advanced stage disease and poor prognosis. Cetuximab is a monoclonal antibody against the EGFR receptor. In this open-label phase 2 clinical trial, patients with recurrent or progressive endometrial cancer were included. They received cetuximab at a dose of 400mg per metre squared, followed by weekly 250mg per metre squared every four weeks. 30 patients were enrolled and 20 patients had evaluable results. Three patients, or 15%, had a clinical benefit response, one complete response and two stable disease. Of the 9 inevaluable patients, nine received less than or equal to one cycle due to clinical deterioration and one had an anaphylactic reaction. One patient had a grade 3 rash which resolved with treatment delay. No dose reduction was reported. Authors concluded that single-agent therapy with cetuximab was well tolerated and had a 15% clinical benefit response. Further studies are required to better identify patients who may respond to this treatment.
0: Pia Demente et al. from McGill University in Montreal, Canada evaluated BRCA testing in women with high-grade serous ovarian cancer. Gynecologic oncologist initiated testing compared to genetics referral. 152 women with high grade serous ovarian, tubal, or peritoneal carcinoma were included. In August of 2017, gynecologic oncologist initiated genetic testing became available to patients. Historical control of referral to genetic counselors for testing prior to the state were compared to gynecologic oncologist initiated testing after August of 2017. Uptake of genetic testing and time from diagnosis to genetic testing results were evaluated between the groups. 50.9% of patients completed genetic testing following referral to genetics, compared to 86.2% in the group offered gynecologic oncologist initiated testing. Time from cancer diagnosis to test result was 186 days for the genetic referral-initiated testing as opposed to 58 days in the gynecologic oncologist-initiated testing group, representing a reduction of 128 days. The authors concluded that gynecologic oncologist-initiated genetic testing leads to increased uptake and decreased delays in testing compared with referral for traditional genetic counseling.
1: The survival outcomes after delayed cytoreductive surgery following neoadjuvant chemotherapy in advanced epithelial ovarian cancer were studied by Shi-Erin Yao et al from the Queensland Centre for Gynaecological Cancer Australia. This team performed a retrospective review of 572 patients with epithelial ovarian cancer treated with neoadjuvant chemotherapy between 2008 and 2017. They reported median overall and progression-free survival of 38 months and 24 months, respectively. Survival figures were not affected by a delay in cytoreductive surgery beyond three cycles. They found that there was no difference in the proportion of patients in whom complete cytoreduction was achieved based on number of cycles of neoadjuvant chemotherapy. They did, however, observe the commonly observed finding of a significant survival advantage in women in whom complete r0 cytoreduction was achieved authors conclude that survival outcomes do not appear to be worse for patients treated with more than three cycles of neoadjuvant chemotherapy compared to the traditional three cycles
0: the final article details the results from a longitudinal cohort study of physical activity trajectories following gynecological cancer conducted by Stephen Fleming et al. from the University of Kentucky. This study assessed physical activity levels in 408 women before and up to two years after gynecological cancer surgery. 58% of women participating in the study had endometrial cancer and 59% of women had stage one cancer. 80% of women either started with and maintained low levels of physical activity defined as 1-10 to metabolic equivalent task hours per week, reported no physical activity throughout the follow-up period, or reduced physical activity levels over time. Only 19% of participants maintained or doubled their physical activity levels over the follow-up period. Higher physical activity levels were significantly associated with higher quality of life. The authors conclude that the vast majority of gynecological cancer survivors have the ability to improve their physical activity levels and that improvements in cancer care to support this could be
1: beneficial. Thank you for joining us in reviewing November's fellow choice articles. Tune in again next month.